because that's what our hope is. You know, there's a lot of turmoil in the world, a lot of chaos. You turn on the news and you see what's going on, and it could be scary, it could be depressing, but, you know, our hope comes from Christ, and, and we look past this life to a better one. And, you know, the only way to get there is to have that relationship with Christ. Hi, this is John Schlitt, and you're listening to people just like me talk faith and life with Joe Taylor on Faith's Edge. This is On Faith's Edge, where engaging, enlightening, and entertaining content brings us closer to living an authentic faith. We'll talk faith and life with people in business and entertainment as we work out the space where God and life collide on Faith's Edge. And now your host, Joe Taylor. Hi. This show is going to rock, literally going to rock. Today we get a double dose of incredible, incredible rock talent. Welcome to On Faith's Edge. My name is Joe Taylor, recovering atheist and your servant in Jesus Christ. This is your place to hear conversations with people of faith in business and entertainment. From all walks of life and levels of success, they all have one thing in common. They believe in God and they come here to talk about it. Last episode, we spoke with Brian Harden host of the Daily Audio Bible at dailyaudiobible.com. Brian has just released a new film called Promised Land. Uh, Brian is a Christian music producer and artist in his own right. Uh, He's earned uh, hundreds of album credits and a healthy collection of Grammy and Dove Award nominations. This new project, Promised Land, is a visually stunning look at the Holy Land and promises to stir your faith. It is really, really fantastic. Uh, You can hear that conversation at onfaithsedge.com slash 42. That's on faithsedge.com slash 42. Later on in today's show, Michael Sweet from Striper returns to talk about his new hard rock album with Dawkins, George Lynch, Only to Rise. Man, do they deliver. Classic hard rock fans will love Only to Rise. And never one to shy away from controversy. Wait until you hear what he says about Kanye West's antics at the Grammys. But first up is Zach McGorman and Jesse Fryson from emerging new rock band Above the Fall. Zach and Jesse are impressive young men, and their newly released EP, Rise and Fall, is really, really good. Uh, I sat down with them at the National Religious Broadcasters Conference uh, down in Nashville, Tennessee, a few weeks back, and we talked about their music, their high-energy show, and, of course, their faith. Straight from Tom's River, New Jersey. Jesse Fryson and Zach McGorman from Above the Fall. Hello, gentlemen. Hey, how are you? How's it going? Welcome to On Faith's Edge. Let's talk about your newest project, Rise and Fall. Rise and Fall is an EP. It's our debut EP. It'll be uh, released next month in March. And uh, we got to work with uh, Grammy and Dove-nominated producer Billy Smiley um, here in Nashville at Dark Horse Recording Studio. And we have... Uh, been a band for about two years now, and we just got to stu- to do this EP, and uh, we're excited about it because it's something that we feel will be encouraging to people. We try to write songs that are uplifting, uh, songs that offer people hope, you know, share love, and um, we really just we try to write music that appeals to all ages, you know, all backgrounds, and um, it's important for us to be able to reach you know all those different audiences with our music. So we try to write. Uh, an EP that reflects that in a variety of different styles. I'll be honest with you guys. When I first saw you and uh, first uh, looked at uh, the name Above the Fall, I 
automatically thought another boy band. <laughs> but listen to your musical influences. Weezer, Switchfoot, Paramore, Jaw, Jars of Clay. Uh, guys, we just, right before we, we hit record here, we were talking about groups like Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Ronnie James Dio. And yep. and uh, you guys know who these guys are. So uh, oh, yeah. you rock out, huh? Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're big fans. Uh, even, oh, yeah. you know, Foo Fighters, um, um, Shine Down. Oh, yeah. All the classic rock guys, Van Halen, all those guys. Yeah. How did you how did you two meet? Started going to a church called Cornerstone Calvary Chapel. I was new there and he had just started going at the same time. And I think we found out that we both played music through our a youth worship band pretty much. And you know, Jesse's a little bit more outgoing than I am sometimes. So he extended the uh, invitation to come over and just jam, hang out one night. And so you know, I went over and we just started jamming. It's like it was just, I don't know, it kind of just came natural to us. Yeah, it yeah. didn't It didn't really uh, take much time. We started writing some songs right on the spot, came up with about two or three songs that day, first time ever playing together, and um, realized that there was chemistry there and that it was worth pursuing. So, uh, you know, over the next couple months after that, we decided to try to form a band around it and uh, see, you know, where it went. So there's two more members of Above the Fall, is that right? Yes. yes. Let's give them their due credit. Of course. Sure. A uh, guitar player's name is Josh Kahipe. I said that right, right? Yeah, Kahipe. <laughs> and uh, our drummer, his name is Patrick Smith. And these are buddies of mine that I knew from high school. So uh, we actually had a friendship going back probably a good 10 years now. And, you know, they just came on board uh, at the end of 2014 and uh, been with us ever since. I want to talk about your show. All right. You guys are, are well known for your high energy performances. Uh, what can a concert goer expect when they go to an above the fall show? When you come to see an above the fall show, you'll see a high energetic show with a, uh, also followed up with a uh, phenomenal light show as well, too. You'll be expected to see impromptu jam sessions, drum solos, guitar solos, a little bit of everything. We, we, uh, we really just try to incorporate a lot, um, featuring all the musicians. There's, uh, a jam session that we do right in the middle of the show, which, uh, like Zach said, has uh, dueling guitar solos. Uh, the drummer and I go back and forth. I've actually been a drummer since I was four. And, um, you know, I've actually used, uh, it's a stand-up cocktail kit that you can actually play. And uh, the drummer and I will go back and forth, and Zach and Josh will come back in and, you know, throw their guitars over top of it. And it's just a really cool moment. It's always a highlight of the show for the fans. Um, we use a lot of visual aids, you know, on the screens. We have some you know, slideshow type images, you know, moving backgrounds and things. And um, we have a great lighting guy, Sean Butcher from SMB Lighting. Uh, and he's really, really talented kid out of the tri-state area. And, uh, you know, just really adds so much to the show visually. Um, really just want to make it an all-around uh, something that people can experience, you know, almost with all the senses type of thing is just, you know, really, you know, hearing the music and seeing everything going on. And, and we want the shows to make people feel something. So when they leave, there's a moment there that they can remember after the show is long over. Sometimes we'll also throw an acoustic portion of the show in there as well, too. We'll pull out a couple of stools, kind of make it like a nice, real intimate setting. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, no, it's not long, maybe like three, four songs sometimes, and then kick it back into high gear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What type of crowds do you, do you typically, typically play to? Primarily, I would say middle school through college-age kids. Cool. You know, so definitely the youth. Um, but we've had, we've had so many different, you know, demographics of people come out to our shows and we've had young kids, you know, 
toddler age all the way up to uh, <laughs> senior citizens who, who who actually love the music. They you know they came came up in the uh, early days of rock and and kind of been following it ever since and never really lost their passion for rock and roll. Yeah. And so we've we've tried to like I said write music that does appeal to a wide variety of people. So there's something for everyone. You have uh, attracted uh, a very well known producer, Billy Smiley, Grammy and Dove Award winner. This guy is is no stranger to successful acts. Uh, what uh, what's it like working with Billy, and and uh, how has he helped you develop? Billy has been everything that you would want in a producer. I mean, we this was our first time working with a major name like that, and um, you know you have your preconceived notions of what it's going to be like, and you think it's going to be real intimidating and kind of like a drill sergeant. But he's just got a way of you know setting your mind at ease. Like when you when you get in the studio with him. You know, he he makes you relax. He he explains everything through thoroughly. He's just got such a, a career of uh, influence and accomplishments to pull from that, you know, he just adds so much to the process. You know, when we do like pre-production stuff with him and uh, he just he'll throw in different uh, chord changes or melody changes for the vocal. And he just has such a such experience where, you know, people like us, when this is our debut album, uh, just to be able to work with him has been a huge blessing right from the start and uh, something that we didn't foresee happening. Uh, it was just great. You know, you want to tell them really quick how we met Billy in the first place at last year? Yeah. Um, it was last summer and we applied for a tour called the extreme tour. And uh, as we were waiting to hear back from them, we got an invitation to come down to this thing called the objectives held here in Nashville at rocket town. Mm-hmm. And we came down for that, and they bring people in from all sorts of labels, um, from you know producers to radio people, the whole nine yards, a bunch of different bands there. Um, and one of the workshops that we attended was working with a producer, and Billy was actually the guy you know uh, teaching that workshop. And then you know Jesse went up to him afterwards, just asked him a question, and. Uh, put it in a nutshell, he said, you know, let's talk later. Let's find each other, meet up, let's talk. So we found, we started talking, you know, asking for advice, uh, asking for, you know, what would he, what would his suggestions be for us to do? And then um, later on that day, he was giving a tour of his home studio to everyone that was there, and he asked if we can come by early, um, just bring our acoustics, play a little something live for him, see how it goes. And we went, and it's kind of how it all started. He you know, he played one song there in his uh, home studio, and he was like, "Let's do something." And then, uh, how couple many months? months yeah, a couple months later, couple we wrote some later. songs over the summer and came back in the early fall to yeah. start tracking. Yeah, I know. For me, it was just a great experience because, like, like Jesse was saying, it's so like disarming. Like, you just feel comfortable with them. Yeah. Like, I know for me, I was like freaking out a little bit. It's like, <laughs> especially going to like pre-production. It's like, oh man, is he gonna like this stuff? Um. If I mess up, like on two takes, this is gonna be like the end of the world for me. Um, but like, I, it's all over. Yeah. <laughs> I just like I just remember like walking in there, and it's just like I felt like I knew the guy for like twenty years already. Yeah, you know, it's just incredible. And then like just the working relationship too. He's not like he's not like it has to be his way. Like right. he allows us to still throw in our ideas. We'll throw in his ideas. We'll try them both, and then we go with which, which one sounds better. So yeah. it's just that was really cool as well too. Yeah. You guys are all over social media, man. It's um, important. I mean, it's it's just something that like we have a tool, you know, that wasn't there a couple generations ago, and it's something that we really need to utilize because 
that's the way that kids stay engaged these days. It's uh, whether it's sports or, or movies, you know, music especially. And it's just a good way for the bands to stay engaged with their audience and stay connected in what they're doing with their lives. And it also gives the fans a chance to feel a part of what you're doing. You know, they can, you know, maybe help in decision making, you know, say you throw up a design. Hey, we're making new T-shirts. What do you guys think of this or that? You know, and thinking of doing like a new cover, you yeah. know, which cover you guys want to see us do. You know, little contests. We have, you know, we're going to be doing a fan of the month section on our website where anyone that's got above the fall official merch, they can take a picture of themselves. It'll be up on the website. So it's a lot of just cool stuff to, to keep people engaged in what's going on. And, you know, because it's a journey. We, we couldn't do what we're doing without their support. Oh, so yeah. it's just a way to, to kind of give back and, and keep everyone engaged. Let's listen to a let's listen to a sample from uh, your new project, Rise and Fall. What do you want us to play? I would say "Hands in the Air." That's going to be our our first single. It's already up on iTunes, uh, and it's uh, kind of the first introduction. If you've never heard "Above the Fall" before, it's just a good introduction bit. It's got a positive sound and uh, hopeful lyrics. You know, hopefully, people are encouraged by it. one of you take turns on answering this how did you guys come to belief in jesus christ jesse let's start with you sure um when i was younger I, I i came to accept christ probably around the age of five um i was actually with my mom at the store and i saw a funeral procession go by and um i was young at the time didn't really understand what was happening so i asked her about it and uh she explained to me that the person had passed away and you know i said well what happens next and so she said, you know, well, it depends. She said, if the person knew Jesus and accepted him as their Lord and Savior, then they'll be in heaven. And then she also explained to me what happens if they don't. And so I thought about it in my little five-year-old mind, you know, what I could understand. And she explained it to me very well. And I said, well, how can I make sure that I go to heaven to be with Jesus? So right there, it was actually in a, in a parking lot of a Walmart. <laughs> and uh, my mom led me to the Lord. And uh, ever since then, I, you know, I went to a Christian school growing up, been involved in youth group my whole life, played on my church worship team, and just been trying to use music especially to, to serve God uh, with the talents that he's blessed me with. I see a book in the future, Walmart Salvation. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> my Jesse Price. <laughs> How about you, Zach? I was born to a Christian family. My mom and dad were both believers. Um wasn't until I was, oh man, I don't even remember how old I was. I was young though. <laughs> um, maybe around the age of five, I remember like hearing about God and stuff through Sunday school and all that. And it's like, you know, being a young kid, you don't know anything. So you're asking questions like, who's Jesus? What did he do? 
you know, what's this story in the Bible mean? And I remember just like asking my mom, like, uh, you know, I want to, I want to do this. Like, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And I remember one night, I uh, think it was with my mom. She helped me kind of with the whole prayer because I didn't know how to do it. I was like five years old at the time or something like that. (laughs) Um, But she helped me um, in my room that night um, come to know Christ. I could remember coming out and being like, going up to my dad. I was like, guess what I just did? Trying to act like like the top-notch guy right there. (laughs) It's like, I got Jesus in my heart now. (laughs) And uh, yeah, um, then was homeschooled all the way up and played for a Christian, uh, Christian school by my house for sports and stuff. So so as we wrap up, what would you say to that person that is right on faith's edge about to make that choice to believe or not to believe in God? I would really just encourage that person, you know, give Christ a chance because, you know, we've all been through struggles in our lives and that's been the inspiration for a lot of the songs that we write is coming from a personal place where we've gone through a hard time and there's a lot of different alternatives out there that you could turn to, a lot of different things you could try to help you through that situation. But uh, we've seen in our own lives, as well as the lives of those that we know, our friends and our family members, that those things just don't work. And we know for a fact that it's been proven time and time again that Christ is the only way Mm -hmm. to help you through the situations, whether it's a a health issue, a financial issue, a relationship issue, you know, give Christ a chance in your life. And if you're, you know, on the brink, if you're on the edge of faith, you know, just go for it because you won't make any better decision in your life than to give your heart to Jesus because he is the ultimate way to uh, not just an easier life because Christ didn't always promise us an easy life, but he did promise us, he, he did promise us to have that relationship with him and have that eternal life in heaven because that's what our hope is. You know, there's a lot of turmoil in the world, a lot of chaos. You turn on the news and you see what's going on and it could be scary. It could be depressing, but you know, our hope comes from Christ and, and we look past this life to a better one. And, you know, the only way to get there is to have that relationship with Christ. And, you know, we've seen it again in our lives. And I guarantee you that you won't regret that decision if that's you thinking about it today. I don't think we can say anything more than that. My gosh, Jesse Freisen, Zach McGorman from Above the Fall. The project is called Rise and Fall. And, man, it is good. It is good. Thanks for coming out, guys. No Thanks problem. for having us. Thank you for having God bless us. you. You too. Above the Falls EP, Rise and Fall, is available at Amazon.com. Their website, AboveTheFall.com, along with their Facebook and Twitter links, are in today's show notes at OnFaithsEdge.com slash 43. That's OnFaithsEdge.com slash 43. If you get a chance to see these guys in concert, don't miss it. They really put on an impressive show. Coming up, Michael Sweet talks about Sweet and Lynch, Only to Rise, and believe it or not, Kanye West. Hello, Michael. Welcome back to the show. How you doing? I'm doing great, man. I am doing great. Listen to this list, Michael. Striper's top-selling album, No More Hell to Pay. Best-selling book, Honestly, My Life and Striper Revealed. Solo album, I'm Not Your Suicide. Striper's Live at the Whiskey, CD and DVD. Your newest project, Only to Rise with Dawkins' George Lynch. And now you're working on the latest Striper project. 
This represents the past 18 months in the life of Michael Sweet. Take a breath, brother. Seems like 18 years, huh? <laughs> kind of like crazy when you when you break it down like that. Uh, yeah, it's just it, part of it is the way the contract was set up. You know, the, the striper contract, everything was set up in place uh, and according to date to, you know, turn stuff in pretty quickly. So, uh, you know, that's part of the reason why we did that. I, I think if we had our choice, we probably would have put a little bit more time in between projects. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But um, that was why it, it was just a bang, 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 you know, uh, get them out there quickly kind of mentality. And then with the Sweet and Lynch album, same kind of thing. I mean, they they came uh, to me and, and emailed me and asked me if I wanted to be a part of something like that. And then it turned up, turned out and turned into and evolved into the Sweet and Lynch project. So that was really fast, too. It just all happened at the same time. Uh, so it's just coincidental. It, you know, it wasn't planned that way at all. Last time we talked, you were, uh, you were planning a trip to Tahiti once this was all said and done. You got, that, uh, you got those tickets <laughs> bought yet? Well, you know, I've been promising my wife a trip to Turks and Caicos, and we still haven't gone. So um, <laughs> we were supposed to do that on our honeymoon, and we, we never did. So maybe someday soon we'll do it. Cool. We, we got it. We got to get away and take a real vacation. Absolutely. Let's talk only to rise uh, with Dawkins, George Lynch of all people, man. Uh, only to yeah. rise. It was released, just released at the end of January today. I don't know if you saw today. Uh, it's number six, neck and neck with ACDC on Billboard's hard rock chart, man. That's awesome, brother. It is. It really is. And um, for an album that, you know, basically consists of in the, the makeup is, you know, four guys from four other bands. It's pretty cool. I mean, that's, it's astonishing to, to see it chart and chart so well, and, and it's getting a lot of airplay and people are talking about it and liking it. And it's, it's definitely very cool to see. Definitely. No, about it, no doubt about it. I, I didn't know what to expect. I mean, when you do an album like that, you think, all right, people are either going to get it or they're not. There's always that chance that, you know, they view it as, you know, a complete side project one off. And so there's not a lot of interest put into it or time put into it. But, uh, I think it's been very well received and, so far, everyone seems to like it. I, I haven't read any negative reviews. I'm sure they're, you know, those are always out there, but I haven't read any yet. So it's it's very cool to see that. You know, there's there's something in there for Journey fans and some of those some of those heavier but not quite heavy metal uh, '70s and '80s uh, fans. I just just a great great CD. The Wish is a big song. September has a definite '70s to '80s metal feel, and I love the title track "Only to Rise." Uh, what oh are yeah, that's it. That's got a little bit more of that Van Halen-ish, uh, Van Halen vibe to it. It, it. The way that worked out is George would go in and, and uh, he'd be in the studio getting ready to put together ideas and track like demo guitar riff ideas to send me. And he'd call me and then I would tell him, hey, you know, why don't you, you know, throw something down that sounds like this, throw something down that sounds like that. And I threw out some suggestions, like something that was a little Van Halen, something that was uh, in the feel of uh, staying true to the dock and the hunter, you know, I suggested that. And then he sent me the song Dying Rose. You know, so we, without blatantly ripping off these bands or these songs, you know, we wanted, we purposely wanted to go after uh, 
a particular sound with each song and kind of, you know, mix in the music that, you know, we grew up on. And of course you're getting the, the striper and the, and the dock and flavors as well. So that's in there just because, you know, I'm a part of it and George is a part of it and you're going to hear, you're going to hear that instantly, but it's cool. It's, it's got a little bit of everything, but yet it still retains an edge and, and has that hard rock. Uh, and, and I'm reading a lot of people that are into metal and real heavy stuff are, are digging it too. Cause it's not a metal album at all. Not even close to a metal album. Right. Right. But that's, that's pretty cool. You are the driving lead guitar in, 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 uh, in Striper. Uh, but George Lynch is a killer man on, on guitar. Uh, how, did yeah. you guys, how did you guys yeah. work that out? Well, you know, it, it was simple. I, I basically, um, I, I got the ideas from George, a, a minute, minute and a half long ideas. And, uh, and then I, it was my job to kind of take those ideas and, uh, you know, make them complete songs, add the sections that weren't there, write the sections that weren't there. And then of course, write the lyrics and the melodies and, you know, complete them as songs. Once I did that, uh, I went into the studio and I mapped everything out and then I flew Brian and James out. They listened to the material and then they recorded their parts. And, uh, then I recorded my parts, all my guitar stuff. I'm playing on every track. I'm just not doing any solos on, on tracks, right. but I am on all the tracks doing, you know, guitar rhythms and doing, um, like, uh, you know, some of the hooky stuff and the, and the octave stuff and the choruses and all the ear candy parts is what I call them. I'm doing a lot of that stuff along with George. And once I did all my parts, I went home, I sang everything, and then we sent it all to George. He did his parts, sent it back, and then we mixed it. So it was it was really a little bit of an off-the-wall way of doing it, not the norm, although I shouldn't say it's not the norm. These days, it actually is the norm. Uh, everyone tracks their own parts in their own individual studios in their own individual cities, towns, states, you know, wherever they are, countries. Um, but I wanted this album to be more of a band experience. That's why it was important to me to have James and Brian. George couldn't be with us. He had right. to do it that way. Yeah, let's but not... I wanted to make sure at least Brian and James were with us. Yeah, let's not forget about James Lomenzo and Brian Tishy. This almost drives to the level of supergroup, man. Yeah, James and Brian are incredible. And I mean, I, I always knew how incredible they were. I followed Brian and, you know, watch him on YouTube and I've seen him live and, you know, I know, I know, knew what to expect with him. And then James, we toured with when he was in White Lion, Striper and White Lion toured together in 1988 for quite a while. So I knew how great he was, but I didn't really know or understand uh, the full greatness of these two guys until we got into the studio. And then I realized like, wow, this is really remarkable. I mean, they, they would basically do everything in one take and, you know, there was nothing that they did that I didn't like. So that was the most challenging part was to decide out of the three drum fill ideas that Brian had or four or five, which one to go with. Cause they were all great. Right. What are your favorites from only the rise? Oh, geez. I love, um, I love dying Rose. I think that I, the feel of that is just great. Yeah. A real straight ahead tune, a catchy tune. I, I really like the, uh, <laughs> the ballad love stays. I like how that turned out. Uh, there's a certain, uh, something about the quality of the production on that and how everything just gels and glued together. I really like. 
How do you think? Uh, how do you think your Christian fan base, uh, your Striper Christian fan base, will react to this project with uh, George Lynch? Well, I hope they understand that you know there's nothing different on this album. I certainly didn't compromise my faith uh, in making this album. So if I had done so, I could certainly understand them not uh, you know embracing it. Uh, but I didn't do that. I mean, I, I, I didn't go after the blatant, you know, Jesus is the way kind of message, uh, as we do more often in Striper, but I certainly, I kept it very positive and encouraging and, and, and the records about love and, and grace and mercy and all these things that I, I believe in. And, uh, you know, so it's not really out of the norm for me at all. You met George at a, you met George Lynch originally at a Striper show of all places. Is that right? I met him years back. He came to a striper show in uh, Arizona. And I want to say that was around 86, 87. Huh. Uh, and we, we met. That was the first time I met George. <clears throat> and then, you know, our paths crossed many times uh, from that time period on. Uh, and then we wound up in the past three, four years doing some shows with Lynch Mob. We reconnected. Gotcha. Exchanged, exchanged information. And when Serafino asked me if I wanted to sing, on a record he was putting together originally with John Levin of Dawkins, the new guitar player. I, I, you know, one thing led to another, and I eventually wound up suggesting George because I just felt like if you're trying to merge the Striper Dawkins camps, you know, why not go after uh, an original guy, an original oh, yeah. member, and the real deal, you know? So definitely, definitely. Is this a is this a one off project, or do you and George plan on on future ventures together? I hope it's not a one-off project. I had a, a, a really great time making the album. A lot of fun. I was able to kind of stretch out a little bit and try some new things. Uh, and I, I think it's been very well received. I think we made a great record. You know, I really do say that humbly. I, no, no ego involved there at all. I just, I just listened to it. And, you know, I'm taking myself out of the project. I, I, this is a record I would go by and I would love to listen to. And, um, I'd like to make another album, you know, and have a shot at it and, and do that, uh, do that thing where I'm on a mission to try to improve every album. Uh, so Stripe is working on what I believe to be their best album. I think we're going to definitely, um, you know, compete with no more hell to pay and maybe surpass it. And then I'd love to do that with sweet and Lynch, make a better album. I don't know, man. Uh, for for my money, no more hell to pay was a fantastic, fantastic album, man. So if if you know if what you're, it, if you're it shooting is, out, do no more hell to pay, man. I I can't wait for that. I love it. I I love no more hell to pay. I think it's not really great. Well, what this album has is just it, it's got some songs that are very similar to no more hell to pay. They could fit right on that, but it's also stretching out a little bit, and we're trying some new things. Like we've got a song that is. Um, basically six minutes long and it changes tempo four times in the song. So it wow. starts off kind of with a priest, an old school priest feel, and then it switches midpoint to like an Iron Maiden feel. And then after the solo, it switches for verse three to a, to a kind of a Metallica feel. Wow. Wow. And it's really all over the map, but it works. It's epic. It's an epic song. And I think when people hear it, Everybody that hears it's going to be going, that's Striper. There's no way that's Striper. Um, it's going to surprise a lot of people in a really great way. You are all over Twitter and Facebook, man. <laughs> how, does a, how does a 51-year-old heavy metal rocker take so well to social media? 
the, the reason why I do it, you know, some people might, might think that it's for my own self, uh, you know, promotion and, you know, me, me, me. And it's, it's really not why I do it. If the fans weren't there, I wouldn't do it at all. I would close down my, my Twitter and my Facebook page in an instant because I'm all about family and, and, and spending time. You know, I feel bad that I don't, you know, when I should be watching a movie with my wife or having dinner with my wife, sometimes I got to go on Twitter and, and post and stuff. But at the same time, the reason why I do it is for the fans. Cause I want to keep yep. the fans informed and I want to, I want them to feel involved because they are. Well, you are involved and that's at why, that. Man. That's why I do it. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You, uh, uh, if, if anybody follows your Twitter account, uh, you are very engaged with your fan base and very, very generous with uh, with your fan base. You, I've seen you, uh, you know, respond to prayer requests. I've seen you respond to uh, congratulations. I've seen you respond to people just, you know, people experiencing joy in their life and some tragedy in life. And you respond to your fan base. It's a, uh, it's uh, it's quite impressive, Michael. I try. I really do try, and I mean, I feel bad because there's probably many requests that I miss. And the problem is with Twitter, because, you know, my, my followers, the following is building, you know, and right. uh, what happens is, you know, you get this constant feed. And if you're not watching it every second, you're going to miss the, some of the requests or tweets or what have you that people put up. And uh, unfortunately, I, I can't respond to everybody. And I try and I know I, I upset some people when I don't. Um, but man, I, I do my best. I mean, I spread myself pretty thin. I'll tell you. The project is only to rise with Dawkins, George Lynch, man. And it is fantastic. One last question for you. Ready? I am. Ban Kanye West from the Grammys. Yes or no? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, I think it's gotten to a point. It's pretty obvious to me that he's a publicity hound <laughs> and everything the man does is to try to shock people and um, pull all the attention back to himself. And, and what he's doing now is, is in, in doing so he's just flat out disrespecting people. And that's how he's getting his publicity. And, and it works because the whole world's talking about him right now. And I realize when I tweet or Facebook something, I'm talking about him, but I think it would be such a beautiful thing. If he was banned for life, in the Grammys. <laughs> Absolutely. It'll never happen. It'll never happen, though, because the Grammys need guys like Kanye West to boost their ratings. Never one to shy from controversy. Michael Sweet, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. We really appreciate it. God bless you, brother. Hey, man. God bless you, too, buddy. Sweet and Lynch's Only to Rise is available at Amazon.com. That link, as well as Michael's Facebook and Twitter links, can be found at onfaithsedge.com slash 43. That's onfaithsedge.com slash 43. I told you, and he, uh, Michael Sweet has something to say, doesn't he? That was, uh, that, was, uh, that was great. Next episode, I speak with author Joe Pataglia about his new book, The Politically Incorrect Jesus. I'll also offer up, uh, as it is uh, Resurrection Sunday, I'll offer up uh, my very graphic personal thoughts on the crucifix- crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It won't be for the faint of heart. Uh, I'll tell you that. That'll wrap up today's show. Thank you so much again to Above the Falls, Zach McGorman and Jesse Fryson. And of course, a big thanks to Michael Sweet for hanging out with me today. 
And thank you for listening. I really appreciate you being here. You mean a lot to me, and you mean a lot to this show. I really love you guys. Remember, God is real, and eternity is now. Let's go out and live like it. God bless. Thank you for listening to On Faith's Edge. You can subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher Internet Radio, or your favorite podcast app on Android, Apple, or Windows devices. To reach out to Joe or leave comments about the show, visit onfaithsedge.com. You're important to us, and we would love to hear from you. 